My name is Lindsay Fleming, and today I'm hosting today's podcast, and I'm excited to have Jonathan Banks with us today, um, currently COO of Urban Outreach Foundation, but you have had a pretty interesting career path, which I'm really excited to kind of unpack in a little bit more detail with you today, including nonprofit leadership, youth ministry, food ingredient, and flavor research. Can't wait to learn a little bit more about that one some uh, real estate finance and business development, teaching and tutoring, I think every age from kindergarten through the college level, and, um, and even served as the director of ministry at Apostolic Faith Church for over 11 years before moving into your current role. So Jonathan, welcome to today's podcast. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Really thrilled to be with you. Yeah, thanks for carving out some time. But could you, I mean, you're not a real stranger to the ministry, but could you, for maybe some of um, our viewers or our audience that's listening today, could you currently tell us about your current role and all the different hats that you're wearing in that role? Thrilled to, sure. I currently serve as the Chief Operating Officer for Urban Outreach Foundation. It's a 57-year young nonprofit that specializes in developing coaching courses and curriculum for growth, primarily serving leaders, pastors, and equipping churches in new spaces, oftentimes urban churches, thus the name Urban Outreach Foundation. Awesome. So how do you balance all the different roles? I mean, you listed, you know, coaching, mentoring. I mean, those are no small roles. So how do you, how do you balance them? And then how do you prioritize your day. Interestingly enough, Lindsay, and I hope it's not just semantics, but in fact, I don't believe in balance. I believe in prioritization. Usually there are demands, there are opportunities that we have presented with us. And life is really about prioritizing your priorities, understanding what's critical, what's urgent, what's necessary, and then what's for long-term success and then developing an approach to tackle the things that you're able to tackle in the time frame that you have. Balance is kind of a myth where you try to do too much too often. And again, if balance is what works for the rest of your participants and listeners, by all means, do what works for you. For me, it's all about priorities and prioritization. So how do you, that's a great, I love that illustration that you give or, you know, kind of the the shift from balance to priorities. So how do you prioritize like what falls into what category? Because sometimes it feels when you're probably not well-planned and organized, it can feel like everything is urgent and immediate and necessary. So what is kind of the track or like, how do you make that determination or what is a cutoff or maybe even give us an example that you might've even experienced today? Sure. When it comes to prioritizing your priorities, uh, there are tons of buckets and approaches. The one that I typically use is a project management approach. I understand uh, one of Covey's principles about beginning with the end in mind. And so I know where I need to be in order to bring success to Urban Outreach Foundation and our clients and partners. And then, of course, it's just working backwards. How am I going to build a program to be successful, whether it's timelines, dates, project management. It's really, of course, about making bite-sized chunks out of God-sized goals and then taking the appropriate steps every day to make it there. Now, of course, one of the ways I do that uh, is 
by managing my calendar very proactively mm -hmm. and trying to carve out chunks of time to be able to accomplish assignments. I learned a long time ago that to-do lists do not work for me because my to-do list the next day would actually be longer than it was today. And oftentimes it would include the exact same items. Talk about frustrating wanting to pull your hair out, but being able to carve out time, if it's on my calendar, the likelihood of it getting done goes up astronomically. If it's not on my calendar, it's probably gonna roll over to my to-do list the next day and my frustration is going to grow. And do you have similar, um, you know, you do chunks of time. So is it uh, kind of general categories like this chunk of time I'm doing email, this type, this chunk of time I'm, you know, brainstorming or just thinking for what my next coaching session will like? Like how granular do you get with your, your chunk of time management? One day my life goals is to have that chunk of time where I do email and then turn off. <laughs> I am not even close to being. Okay, busy. okay. It's much more project. <laughs> oriented base. Okay. Um, seeing that we do consultancy for a number of organizations, uh, we actually use a calendar scheduling function. Many of us use it called Calendly. Well, guess what? If you have Calendly, number one, you have to decide when are you available to your clients, blocking off other time so that project work actually gets done. And then if you've got deadlines coming up, make sure that your time is protected because all of us tend to work outside of normal business hours. Mm -hmm. I happen to be happily married. Now I was intentional with my words there, Lindsay. A lot of people are married. I am actually happy married. Not because I'm better than anyone else, just because God has favored me. I thankfully I chose wisely and my wife is a tremendously nice person. So thankfully we have a happy marriage. I wanna keep it that way. So yep. it's making sure that you have time for family, time for the things that are important. And that actually fuels me and gives me energy to serve others and to help make their dreams come true as well. So I tend to take a project management approach to blocking time. One day I may get to just blocking time for emails only, but right, right. now project-based. Well, I think that's, you know, and that can encompass and allow some flow to your day. So depending on where you are in the project, you can structure the time that fits that best. Um, you brought up your wife and that was one of my questions that I did have for you. Just tell me about your wife and I think your kids, you know, what are they doing now? Like, just tell me, what is everybody doing? Sure. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 25 years and it has been an amazing journey of love and learning. Uh, she probably has had to do the most extending of grace. I'm just having a great time. We okay. met at the university, small okay. campus ministry there. Uh, my wife and I, faith has been a, a huge part of our lives for the you know entirety of our relationship. Got married kind of young, 23. Uh, have two sons. Jonathan II is 21. Justin is 19. Both are in college. Jonathan's doing a dual doctorate program right now, PhD in oral sciences and a DMD degree, a dentistry degree. Our younger son is an aspiring cardiologist. And we are blessed. Not only are our sons talented, but they also serve. They love on their church, love on our family. Um, I don't have perfect kids because my wife and I are not perfect parents. Right. But we have phenomenal sons. They are young men now, and we're grateful that they're a part of our lives. So what was one... Um... Obviously, they're very talented and, and blessed, have a lot of different giftings. What's one thing that you can attribute um, or what's one thing that you really prioritize when raising them? Great question, Lindsay. Uh, 
again, as I mentioned for my wife and I, faith is a huge part of what we do. And, you know, nothing wrong with these interviews. So I don't mind doing a small self plug. Four years ago, I, I launched a book called Raise Your GPA. It's a faith-based approach to academic and life excellence for tweens, teens, and young adults. Not because I am the perfect youth leader or the perfect parent, but having served as the uh, tutor coordinator at Purdue University many, many, many moons ago, tutoring young people in the hardest subjects that Purdue had to offer, chemistry, biology, calculus, uh, in just the hardest engineering classes, learning how to inspire and challenge young people to maximize their academic and spiritual potential, and just loving on kids and being involved with youth ministry for the past 25 years, we've developed some principles that we think empower young people to want their best future for themselves, as well as the academic principles to help them maximize their potential. So all that to say, Raise Your GPA is a faith-based approach to academic and life excellence that really inspires young people. GPA normally stands for your grade point average, yeah. and it does. But in my book, it also stands for your God point average, the things that push you closer to success and spiritual development. So we love on our sons. Faith is a big part of what we do. We've tried to help them understand that if you give life and if you give us a effort, God takes care of the rest. And then you're able to see them bring their best, their best selves to their homework, to their life work, and not necessarily worry about the outcome. You can only control what you can control. Mm -hmm. And so by taking that approach, it takes some of the pressure off of them. They know they just need to bring their best. And then God's just really blessed them to be able to achieve at very high levels. Both of them scored in the top 0.1% of the ACT college entrance exam. One of our sons got a perfect 36, but our sons are not smarter than anyone else's young people. It really is about preparation, loving them intentionally and then exposing them to other opportunities. And while we're just on the subject of kind of like developing the next generation of talent, I truly believe that uh, in order to help them accomplish their best goals, it really is about helping them want it for themselves. Mm -hmm. You can't want someone else's future yep. more than they want it for themselves. In Raise Your GPA and some of the other courses that we've developed at Urban Outreach Foundation to help inspire youth leaders and equip senior pastors and leaders to engage this next generation with really power. Uh, it goes back to a, a biblical principle found in Deuteronomy where it talks about, in Proverbs, where it talks about the fact that you should train up a child in the way they should go. Unfortunately, Lindsay, a lot of adults talk at young people. Right. The Bible does not say tell up a child in the way yeah. they should go. <laughs> train. Training involves involvement, connection, heart and passion exchange, actually going through it with them and giving them support during their training experience. A lot of times we don't get the benefit of training because we fail to train. We only tell. When you train, there's a biblical promise that when they're right. older, they'll be successful. That's awesome. Well, I love to hear this because I have uh, two stepkids. I recently got married a little over a year ago Ooh. and have a blended family. We've got yeah. one 17, so she's a junior and sure. actively in the college, mm -hmm. you know, hunt and another one uh, who's a freshman and uh, also both very talented basketball players. But, you know, we constantly have that. You've got to want it for yourself. And sure. uh, I love that approach because 
I'm here to support and help you achieve those goals, but I can't want it more than you. So something that we discussed around our dinner table as well. Did you see from your kids um, at a young age that they certain things or desires that they did want for themselves? And, and how did you cultivate that? Or was it something that you had to model and kind of mine out of them because you saw their potential? Sure. Uh, as parents and as adults, oftentimes we're afraid of that three-letter question that gets on our last nerves. Why? Why? Start to say it in unison, right? You got to really embrace the why and endure the why. And when you can help young people tap into their own why, and also always explain the why behind your motivation. Young people are always old enough, doesn't matter if they're two or 22, they're old enough to receive your why. And you will always get better results when they understand your perspective of why. That helps them develop their own why and then give more of themselves to the initiative. No one wants to do homework and, you know, just not to harp on and stay on the kids uh, angle. Hey, I like it. You're speaking my language. I'm living your world. So well, think we're going to do a follow. I'm going to read uh, DNA and then we're going to do another follow up sure. podcast. But continue on. I want to hear. Sure. So raise your GPA. Mm-hmm. What is the reward of doing well in elementary school? You get to go to middle school. What's the reward of middle school? You get to go to high school. What's the reward of doing well in high school? You get to go to college. That is not motivating for young people. (laughs) Here's what is more motivating. What's more motivating is, listen, God's created you with some gifts and talents. Mm -hmm. And when you maximize your potential, not only are you going to be fulfilled and have fun in life, but you're going to make a huge difference in this world. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that you're prepared. Here's what that looks like in middle school. Here's what that looks like in high school. Here's what that looks like in college or trade school or certification. And when they understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, and the rewards that come from doing it well, that's when you have buy-in. I tell people don't go to college. And then if I'm in the parent session, all of a sudden there are crickets there. Because if you tell someone to go to college, once they've went to college, they've accomplished the goal. The goal is not college. The goal is to be fully equipped to have options and to have significance and impact in the future. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes that does involve getting a degree and then getting great training. But the goal is not just to go to college. The goal is to get training. Well, that opens up a a whole new avenue because colleges, Lindsay, Mm -hmm. they don't make smart people. (laughs) Colleges make money. Yes. Apple makes money. Right. Nike makes money. And so those colleges are going to make money off of our young people. Even if they offer them a scholarship long term, they're banking that they're going to make money off of that young person by preparing them. And then they'll give back into their endowment funds, all that kind of stuff. So don't overpay for an undergraduate education. You want to make sure that you are equipping your young person and setting them up for success. Well, guess what? Degrees are a commodity. If you're getting a marketing degree, and I understand there are some nuances right. in some schools, right. the large majority, oftentimes we want to romance the college experience. And we tell young people and young adults, college is the best years of your life. If college are the best years of your life, you're living wrong. You know, right. college is about preparation. You're going to spend, you know, 40, 50, 60 years if God grants grace to you after college. You're going to tell me that you're, the pinnacle of your life is between 18 and 24, and that's it? Goodness gracious, how depressing. Eating cafeteria food and hanging out in the library, you know. 
That is not how it's designed. And I'm not afraid or trying to tell people don't enjoy your college experience. Sure. What I'm saying is when you prepare properly, it gets better. That like there's it. greater fulfillment, greater significance, and more opportunities and options afterwards when you're prepared. Now, if you waste your time there, then yeah, I guess living off of someone else's dime or just borrowing money for your education, maybe that may be the pinnacle of your life. I'm just not sure that's the design and what it should and can be. I can't wait for our second follow-up podcast. I just got to get to reading. So I love that discussion. And uh, I think you have so much wisdom there. I can't wait to read the book in more detail. But tell me about your time in ministry when you served 11 years um, under Bishop Horace Smith. What did you, you know, what did you learn from working with him? Well, thankfully, I am still working with Bishop Smith, just not in an employment opportunity. I joined Apostolic Faith Church back in 1996 when I first got to Chicago, graduated Purdue University, started working for Kraft Foods. I have done things to food that no one should ever do to food in the name of profit and expediency and marketing and all those things. Uh, But when I joined AFC, really, my concept of God had to grow. Uh, Bishop Smith is not only a uh, tremendous pastor of a church of about a thousand families, but he's also a practicing hematologist, pediatrician, oncologist. He's a sub-subspecialist, and he does both of his major roles with distinction and excellence. And you can't help but learn from him. He is a person of excellence in every area of his life. He demands excellence for those on his teams. He's very compassionate, uh, but yet he also challenges you to be your best for the people that we serve. And it's just a delight to learn from him and for me to follow his leadership. I was a volunteer at our church and several of our teams uh, joined our church part-time staff overseeing and coordinating our young people, ended up coming on staff as the ministry director, which is essentially an executive pastor style of role. And then even after I came off of staff, now I'm doing some national ministry initiatives and serving leaders and pastors all over the country. But I still serve on several teams at AFC in a volunteer capacity. And it is my privilege and a great pleasure to serve at AFC. That is something that I think is at the core of every great leader. And that is that you're able to serve and uh, bring to pass God-given vision through others. It doesn't always have to be your vision. You know, we, we trust our leaders. We, we want them to be successful. When he's blessed, I'm blessed. Right. And I am blessed and the Bankses are blessed because of his leadership, vision, and servant mentality. So I've had a lot of fun when I served on staff. Now I just serve off of staff, but right. it's amazing to be able to coordinate ministry initiatives, to oversee small groups, to one of my favorite parts of my role was to coordinate our community outreach and to serve different organizations as a liaison to AFC. Okay. Um, the only thing that Bishop Smith has not mastered yet is the ability to be in two places at once. Right. He told me if he is, then he just keeps it hidden from. Right. Uh, He's saving that for uh, another yeah. down the road. Right. I, I've never seen him and Spider-Man in the same room. So I guess mm-hmm. theoretically they could be the same people. <laughs> I like but serving in a, uh, that role allowed me to go into the community and serve with other organizations and represent AFC. Okay. Number one, it afforded me the opportunity to grow and to stretch my paradigm of what leadership was. But secondly, I always knew that I was representing him in AFC, so I wanted to do so with excellence and distinction. 
I had the privilege of going to Northwestern University to finish up my MBA. And so I was grateful for that experience in training and education. I've worked in commercial real estate, been in rooms with the CFOs, CIOs, CEOs of companies like Motorola and Whirlpool and pitched companies like Microsoft and Apple. So God's given me the grace to be able to be around some pretty tremendous civic leaders, uh, you know, economic leaders, as well as faith leaders. And I try to serve all those leaders with humility and distinction and excellence at the same time, learning with them and uh, being able to grow and have fun at the same time. Well, God has definitely blessed your platform and you're using it mightily for the kingdom. So I continued, we'll continue to see, I'm sure it expand as you continue to go. And I can't wait um, to hear a little bit more about Together Chicago. Mm -hmm. So um, what does collective impact mean to you in the city of, of Chicago? Sure. And having the opportunity to serve on Together Chicago's leadership team, even though they, they, they're a client of Urban Outreach Foundation, but really more than- why don't, you, why don't you, just in case someone isn't familiar with Together Chicago, how would you sum it, sum it up? Together Chicago strategically grows and utilizes what we call collective impact, which means that we pull the expertise and the energy of other organizations for collective impact, for a bigger impact than we could do alone, primarily for the shalom, the peace of the city, as well as reducing gun violence. Back in 2017, there were a group of eight leaders, some business leaders, okay. some faith leaders, that got together to see if they couldn't help lower the violence in the city of Chicago. Obviously, 2016 was one of the pinnacle years as far as homicides in the city. And they just believed that through prayer and vigorous action that we could make a dent in the violence in Chicago. Fast forward now in 2022, Together Chicago has five areas of focus, violence reduction, education, workforce development, gospel justice centers, where we actually bring a, a legal clinic into a church and then an area we call faith community mobilization, where we do massive prayer gatherings, sometimes thousands of people that come together and pray for the shalom and the peace of the city. Well, we don't just pray, we also work. So we are partnering with schools, after school mentoring programs, loving on teachers and equipping them, serving them meals oftentimes, working through churches to do violence reduction initiatives in their neighborhoods, something called positive loitering, where you find a spot that oftentimes has some rough activity. You go in there with a the police presence and with your fellow believers and leaders, and you positively occupy that area. And we've okay. seen tremendous reduction in violent acts, as well as negative activity, whether it be drug sales or sometimes prostitution. We also, like I said, work through local churches. Together Chicago is a parachurch. We do yep. ministry work, but we are not a ministry. And when we do our work properly, no one outside of that church knows the name of Together Chicago, except some civic leaders in the city and the mayor and those type of uh, entities. But our goal is to make that church shine, that leader shine, so that God gets the glory, the church and the pastor are able to get the kingdom credit, but yet the community is blessed and God gets the glory. 
I love that. And what a great relevant thing for our cities today. We need we need together Chicago and other cities across the country. And uh, I love that work that you're, you're doing there. But before our time wraps up, all this work, you must have been influenced by someone as you grew up. Um, so what was what or what someone or something? So what was the strong influence that that you had as you were growing up? I happen to be bi-ethnic, Lindsay. Mom okay. white, dad's black. Okay. Mom is first generation German Jew. So when Hitler came to power in the late 30s, uh, her parents were on one of the last five of German Jews refugees that left Europe. Uh, I take my heritage very seriously, understanding that it took a lot for me to be here. I mean, half my relatives came here on a refugee ship, the other on a slave ship. And somehow God was able to orchestrate all of that. Uh, and I came to Christ at 18. So growing up, I made a lot of dumb, bad choices, a lot of selfish choices. And I'm so grateful that God grabbed my heart and I got saved at 18. After that, I am grateful for some faith leaders, certainly my pastor in the Philadelphia area, Bishop Ronald Young. He was the first time that I really saw a godly marriage up close and understood what it would take to have a healthy and happy family. I'm grateful, of course, to my pastor in Chicago, Bishop Horace Smith, a leader in so many areas, professionally, through faith, and just as a, a, a man that's respected as a leader in the city. I'm also grateful to leaders like Dr. Sam Chand, who was a coach and mentor to my pastor, Bishop Smith, uh, but also had a lot of mercy on me and kind of took me on as a side project. And so he's poured a lot into me. Uh, I do a lot of reading uh, for self-help books uh, and leadership books. And so I, I try to glean from others. But yeah, I would say that those three leaders were pivotal in my formation and my development. Um, but I, I like to learn from everybody. You know, I, I, I learned from my sons, though they have inspired me, certainly learned a ton from my wife. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have fun learning from and with leaders. Well, the learning never stops. And I think just remaining open and coachable and having a willingness to to hear new perspectives and to let the Holy Spirit challenge and convict us is the best coach that we can have. Absolutely. Okay, a couple of fun questions before we totally wrap up. If I would, I have a, a part of my family, I'm outside of Philadelphia. Okay. But part of my family lives in Chicago or mm -hmm. in the suburbs of Chicago. So yeah. next time I'm there and I were to visit um, your neighborhood, yep. like what would I experience? And then what is your favorite restaurant? there. So like, you know, just in case I'm swinging by your neighborhood. Well, you better swing by Chicago. Okay. Okay? And I was born in Mount Airy. So okay. that is in North Philadelphia. I okay. grew up in South Jersey. So I am familiar with the area. Okay. Been in Chicago now 26 years. If you came to Chicago, you would probably find me in someone's church or uh, after school basement talking to some young people about maximizing their future. If you didn't find me there, you might find me in my kitchen baking. Okay. Uh, I used to think I was a baker. Then I watched the great British baking show on Netflix and I found out that I just make muffins and cookies. Okay. I'm, I'm not a baker. I, you know, those people. Hey, if you go to mad chocolate chip cookie recipe though, I want to know about it. Cause I feel like I'm a chocolate chip 
cookie connoisseur from all over. So are you yeah. crazy? Fights have broken off over my chocolate chip cookie recipe. That's how all right. we're going to have to connect for sure. Um, <laughs> and for the past 10 years, the Bankses have kept a plant-based diet. So yeah, we kind of go, you know, we hang out with the vegans, the, you know, those weird, weird people. And we do so because my father passed when I was 13 from mm -hmm. lifestyle choices. All of his brothers were sick and, and not well, all dead, uh, you know, before, right at 60. And I just wanted a different health destiny. And I certainly wanted to try to set my sons on a recipe for success. So about 10 years ago, we just tried a plant-based diet and it stuck. Okay. So if you come to Chicago, we might be hanging out in the Chicago Diner. That's a, a okay. vegetarian, vegan spot. Okay. There's a place called I Can't Believe It's Not Meat. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we, we just kind of have fun with it. You know, so we, it's an adventure uh, no matter what area oh, of life you're doing. Always an adventure. Food awesome. is to be enjoyed. Food can be medicine. Uh, and I believe that we can actually fuel our way through our food to great health. Like I said, I used to work at Kraft Foods. Mm -hmm. I have an undergraduate degree in agricultural engineering, which is a degree in food process engineering. I understand ingredients, product research, process research, all that good stuff. Okay. And yeah, I think that... The closer we get to a plant-based diet, the healthier and happier we'll be and we'll be more useful to God and the kingdom. I tell people, you don't have to do what I do, but you better know what I know so that we can all be fruitful together. So I love it. Well, I feel like we could have five more podcasts off no of doubt. just this one episode. So I look forward to connecting again sure. and maybe we can uh, connect next time I'm coming through Chicago to see some family. But thanks so much for sitting down with me Blessings today. To I really you, appreciate it. Blessings to you. Take care. Thank you, Jonathan.